0: Chapter One of Crusaders of New France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Crusaders of New France by William Bennett Monroe. Chapter One: France of the Bourbons. France, when she undertook the creation of a bourbon empire beyond the seas was the first nation of europe her population was larger than that of spain and three times that of england her army in the days of louis XIV, numbering nearly a half million in all ranks was larger than that of rome at the height of the imperial power no nation since the fall of roman supremacy had possessed such resources for conquering and colonizing new lands by the middle of the seventeenth century spain had ceased to be a dangerous rival germany and italy were at the time little more than geographical expressions while england was in the throes of the puritan revolution nor was it only in the arts of war that the hegemony of the bourbon kingdom stood unquestioned in art and education in manners and fashions france also dominated the ideas of the old continent the dictator of social tastes as well as the grim warrior among the nations in the second half of the seventeenth century france might justly claim to be both the heart and the head of europe small wonder it was that the leaders of such a nation should demand to see the claws in adam's will which bequeathed the new world to spain and portugal small wonder indeed that the first nation of europe should insist upon a place in the sun to which her people might go to trade to make land yield its increase and to widen the bourbon sway if ever there was a land able and ready to take up the white man's burden it was the france of louis the fourteenth the power and prestige of france at this time may be traced in the main to three sources first there were the physical features the compactness of the kingdom a fertile soil a propitious climate and a frontage upon two great seas in an age when so much of a nation's wealth came from agriculture these were factors of great importance only in commerce did the french people at this time find themselves outstripped by their neighbors although both the atlantic and the mediterranean bathed the shores of france her people were being outdistanced on the seas by the english and the dutch whose commercial companies were exploiting the wealth of the new continents both east and west yet in france there was food enough for all and to spare it was only because the means of distributing it were so poor that some got more and others less than they required france was supporting at this time a population half as large as that of today. then there were qualities of race which helped to make the nation great at all periods in their history the french have shown an almost inexhaustible stamina an ability to bear disasters and to rise from them quickly a courage and persistence that no obstacle seem able to thwart how often in the course of the centuries has france been torn apart by internecine strife or thrown prostrate by her enemies only to astonish the world by a superb display of recuperative powers it was france that first among the kingdoms of europe rose from feudal chaos to orderly nationalism it was france that first among continental countries after the middle ages established the reign of law throughout a powerful realm though wars and turmoils almost without end were a heavy drain upon gallic vitality for many generations france achieved steady progress to primacy in the arts of peace none but a marvellous people could have made such efforts without exhaustion yet even now in the twentieth century the astounding vigor of this race has not ceased to compel the admiration of mankind in the seventeenth century moreover france owed much of her national power to a highly centralized and closely knit scheme of government under richelieu the strength of the monarchy had been enhanced and the power of the nobility broken when he began his personal rule louis the fourteenth continued his work of consolidation and in the years of his long reign managed to centralize in the throne every vestige of political power the famous saying attributed to him the state i am the state embodied no idle boast nowhere was there a trace of representative government nowhere a constitutional check on the royal power there were councils of different sorts and with varied jurisdictions but men sat in them at the king's behest and were removable at his will there were parlements too but to mention them without explanation would be only to let the term mislead for they were not representative bodies or parliaments in the ordinary sense their powers were chiefly judicial and they were no barrier in the way of the steady march to absolutism the political structure of the bourbon realm in the age of louis the fourteenth and afterwards was simple all the lines of control ran upwards and to a common centre and all this made for unity and autocratic efficiency in finance in war and in foreign affairs another feature which fitted the nation for an imperial destiny was the possession of a united and militant church with heresy the gallican branch of the catholic church had fought a fierce struggle but before the seventeenth century was far advanced the battle had been won there were heretics in france even after richelieu's time but they were no longer a source of serious discord the church now victorious over its foes became militant ready to carry its missionary efforts to other lands ready in fact for a new crusade these four factors rare geographical advantages racial qualities of a high order a strongly centralized scheme of government and a militant church contributed largely to the prestige which france possessed among european nations in the seventeenth century with all these advantages she should have been the first and not the last to get a firm footing in the new continents historians have recorded their reasons why france did not seriously enter the field of american colonization as early as england but these reasons do not impress one as being good foreign wars and internal religious strife are commonly given and accepted as the true cause of french tardiness in following up the pioneer work of jacques cartier and others yet not all the energy of nearly twenty million people was being absorbed in these troubles there were men and money to spare had the importance of the work overseas only been adequately realized the main reason why france was last in the field is to be found in the failure of her kings and ministers to realize until late in the day how vast the possibilities of the new continent really were in a highly centralized and not overpopulated state the authorities must lead the way in colonial enterprises the people will not of their own initiative seek out and follow opportunities to colonize distant lands and in france the authorities were not ready to lead sully who stood supreme among the royal advisers in the closing years of the sixteenth century was opposed to colonial ventures under all circumstances far-off possessions he declared are not suited to the temperament or to the genius of frenchmen who to my great regret have neither the perseverance nor the foresight needed for such enterprises but who ordinarily applied their vigor minds and courage to things which are immediately at hand and constantly before their eyes colonies beyond the seas he believed would never be anything but a great expense that indeed was the orthodox notion in circles surrounding the seat of royal power and it was a difficult notion to dislodge never until the time of Richelieu, was any intimation of the great colonial opportunity now quickly slipping by allowed to reach the throne and then it was only an inkling making but a slight impression and soon virtually forgotten richelieu's great company of sixteen hundred and twenty seven made a brave start but it did not hold the cardinal's interest very long mazarin who succeeded richelieu took no interest in the new world the tortuous problems of european diplomacy appealed far more strongly to his italian imagination than did the vision of a new france beyond the seas it was not until colbert took the reins that official france really displayed an interest in the work of colonization at all proportionate to the nation's power and resources colbert was admirably fitted to become the herald of a greater france coming from the ranks of the bourgeoisie he was a man of affairs not a cleric or a courtier as his predecessors in office had been he had a clear conception of what he wanted and unwearied industry in moving towards the desired end his devotion to the king was beyond question he had native ability patience sound ideas and a firm will given a fair opportunity he would have accomplished far more for the glory of the fleur-de-lis in the region of the st lawrence and the great lakes of america but a thousand problems of home administration were crowded upon him problems of finance of industry of ecclesiastical adjustment and of social reconstruction in the first few years of his term as minister he could still find a little time and thought for canada and during this short period he personally conducted the correspondence with the colonial officials but after sixteen hundred and sixty-nine all this was turned over to the minister of marine and colbert himself figured directly in the affairs of the colony no more the great minister of louis the fourteenth is remembered far more for his work at home than for his services to new france as for the french monarchs of the seventeenth century louis the fourteenth was the first and only one to take an active and enduring interest in the great crusade to the northern wilderness he began his personal reign about sixteen hundred and sixty with a genuine display of zeal for the establishment of a colony which would by its rapid growth and prosperity soon crowd the english off the new continent in the selection of officials to carry out his policy his judgment when not subjected to sinister pressure was excellent as shown in his choice of frontenac nor did the king's interest in the colony slacken in the face of discouragement it kept on to the end of his reign although diminishing somewhat towards the close it could not well do otherwise than weaken during the european disasters which marked his later years by the death of louis the fourteenth in seventeen hundred and fifteen the colony lost its most unwavering friend the shrewdest of french historians de tocqueville has somewhere remarked that the physiognomy of a government may be best judged in the colonies when i wish to study the spirit and faults of the administration of louis the fourteenth he writes i must go to canada for its deformity is there seen as through a microscope that is entirely true the history of new france in its picturesque alternation of sunshine and shadow of victory and defeat of pageant and tragedy is a chronicle that is gallic to the core in the early annals of the northland one can find silhouetted in sharp relief examples of all that was best and all that was worst in the life of old france the political framework of the colony with its strict centralization the paternal regulation of industry and commerce the flood of missionary zeal which poured in upon it the heroism and courage of its priests and voyagers the venality of its administrative officials the anachronism of a feudal land tenure the bizarre externals of its social life the versatility of its people all these reflected the paternity of new france The most striking weakness of french colonial policy in the seventeenth century was its failure to realize how vastly different was the environment of north america from that of central europe institutions were transplanted bodily and then amazement was expressed at versailles because they did not seem to thrive in the new soil detailed instructions to officials in new france were framed by men who had not the slightest grasp of the colony's needs or problems one busybody wrote to the colonial intendant that a bake oven should be established in every seigneury and that the habitants should be ordered to bring their dough there to be made into bread the intendant had to remind him that in the long cold winters of the st lawrence valley the dough would be frozen stiff if the habitants with their dwellings so widely scattered were required to do anything of the kind another martinet gravely informed the colonial authorities that as a protection against indian attacks all the seigneuries should be palisaded and some of the seigneurial estates were eight or ten miles square the dogmatic way in which the colonial officials were told to do this and that to encourage one thing and to discourage another all by superiors who displayed an astounding ignorance of new world conditions must have been a severe trial to the patience of those hard-working officials who were never without great practical difficulties immediately before their eyes not enough heed was paid moreover to the advice of men who were on the spot it is true that the recommendations sent home to france by the governor and by the intendant were often contradictory but even where the two officials were agreed there was no certainty that their counsel would be taken with greater freedom and discretion the colonial government could have accomplished much more in the way of developing trade and industry but for every step the acquiescence of the home authorities had first to be secured to obtain this consent always entailed a great loss of time and when the approval arrived the opportunity too often had passed from november until may there was absolutely no communication between quebec and paris save that in a great emergency if france and england happened to be at peace a dispatch might be sent by dint of great hardship to boston with a precarious chance that it would get across to the french ambassador in london ordinarily the officials sent their requests for instructions by the home-going vessels from quebec in the autumn and received their answers by the ships which came in the following spring if any plans were formulated after the last ship sailed in october it ordinarily took eighteen months before the royal approval could be had for putting them into effect the routine machinery of paternalism thus ran with exasperating slowness there was however one mitigating feature in the situation the hand of home authority was rigid and its beckonings were precise but as a practical matter it could be and sometimes was disregarded altogether not that the colonial officials ever defied the king or his ministers or ever failed to profess their intent to follow the royal instructions loyally and to the letter they had a much safer plan when the provisions of a royal decree seemed impractical or unwise it was easy enough to let them stand unenforced such decrees were duly registered in the records of the sovereign council at quebec and were then promptly pigeonholed so that no one outside the little circle of officials at the chateau de saint-louis ever heard of them in one case a new intendant on coming to the colony unearthed a royal mandate of great importance which had been kept from public knowledge for twenty years absolutism paternalism and religious solidarity were characteristic of both france and her colonies in the great century of overseas expansion there was no self-government no freedom of individual initiative and very little heresy either at home or abroad the factors which made france strong in europe her unity her subordination of all other things to the military needs of the nation her fostering of the sense of nationalism these appeared prominently in canada and helped to make the colony strong as well historians of new france have been at pains to explain why the colony ultimately succumbed to the combined attacks of new england by land and of old england by sea for a full century new france had as its next-door neighbor a group of english colonies whose combined populations outnumbered her own at a ratio of about fifteen to one the relative numbers and resources of the two areas were about the same proportionately as those of the united states and canada at the present day the marvel is not that french dominion in america finally came to an end but that it managed to endure so long chapter one